Welcome to Their Very Best, the podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert, professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Today, we have special guest host Tim Lindbergh to give us wild, unsolicited opinions about The Roots. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to be here again. It's good to see you, Tim. Thanks for joining us. The Roots. We threatened to do The Roots once before. I'm really glad we're doing The Roots. Well, Tim, do you have an organizing principle for this tour? I know that, I mean, you've, you're a veteran now. This is your, it's actually your fourth. Technically my fourth, yeah. Technically the fourth, but three on record. So... What do you what do you have for us? What are you thinking? What's with the roots, man? Well, the organizing principle is that the roots are the greatest hip hop group of all time and they are analogous to the Grateful Dead in a genre that has no other groups that are like this. That's my organizing principle. I love this. Oh my God, I love it. Well, I want to agree with that. I'm not in a position to agree with it, but I'm going to agree by the time we're finished recording this, I'm sure. So, let's start with this. How long do you think hip-hop has been a thing? How old is rap music? Our first quiz. Our first quiz. Conventional wisdom would say rap emerged in the 80s. But then we're getting into questions like, what was the first rap song? Like, when, what, when was Rapper's Delight? Which is probably not the first rap song, but it's what this uneducated guy thinks of. Most people would say hip-hop is about to hit its 50th anniversary. So early 70s, 1973 is sort of the date people point to. But 1973, early 70s, that's what we're talking about. So hip-hop is 50 years old. Wow. And The Roots have been doing this for 30 years. It's gone. There's literally no one else. That is cool. They're on on a list of one. (laughs) Yeah. It's just them. I saw them in San Francisco in the late 90s, early 2000s. Now go get your dictionary and your pictionary. Cause much affliction with my diction, friction, something carry. Words and hers like some cattle in the steeple. People, there's no equal or no sequel. Let's start with Pass the Popcorn. Pass the what? Pass the Popcorn. From their 1993 independently distributed record organics so tim i know that when you were doing like artist representation you spent a lot of time down in philly i did you had to yo i wrote this basement never never tunnel type portion was this the time that the roots were sort of emerging i mean did you know about these guys when it was brand new back in what year was this song this is 93 so, I mean, they, they formed in the late 80s, 87, 88. Organics came out in 93. Not everyone knew about that. It was really like their uh, their first major label debut that I think solidified them. And But Pass the Popcorn was on Organics. It came out in 93. And honestly, like the entire premise of a live hip hop band didn't really register. Like, I didn't know what to do with this. 
nor did I understand what that really meant. Like, did they actually play live? Were they playing instruments and sampling them and then remixing it? And how does how does this work? It was an anomaly. What past the popcorn? Secondly, I speak for the quest from the SQT, and I'm black thought before you know it's funky. The rhythms he recycled sometimes prehistoric. The mic. It was an anomaly for a hip hop group to come out playing live music. There just there wasn't really a precedent for that in a mainstream way. Coming from the heart, all the way from Philly in the West, part relax. And as someone who was a hip hop fan, but also a DJ, like it was mind blowing and slightly confusing when they came out. Mm-hmm. How you know what bucket to put them in, mm-hmm. and how they even made their music. So you know they couldn't get traction in Philly initially when they were formed in the early, uh, sorry, the late '80s, and so they went over to London for a couple of years. They did Organics there, and then they came back. And they and then you know they became the Grateful Dead or Fish like they were just on tour forever and just putting out every year or two putting out an album and evolving you know and and I think reached a point ten years ago where they were on everybody's top five list of all time. You have Questlove who's been the drummer for everybody not only is he the backbone of the roots but you know he's been the drummer for d'angelo and john mayer and elvis costello and every time you see the a rock and roll hall of fame induction Questlove is the drummer and and he you know he put out a cookbook and you know he he directed and won a best documentary oscar um for the harlem cultural festival uh documentary he did summer of soul yeah, Summer of Soul. Black Thought is, um, you know, he's a prolific artist with the roots as a solo artist, as a guest artist. He's an actor. These guys are just incredibly, incredibly prolific. I saw him on an episode of Billions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did too. Yeah, he's and he's yeah, he's he's a fair actor. He's kind of everywhere. He's kind of he's kind of having a major moment. I mean, yeah, he's dude everywhere. Is everywhere. I mean, the moment is lasting a long time. Yeah, moment's not the right word for it. My exposure to hip hop is pretty close to nil, and even I know Questlove. Quest and Black Thought, who are the the only like original members of the Roots who are still in the the group. What's crazy to me about both of them is that they're as good or better now mm. than they were 30 years ago in music, but really in particular with hip hop too. It's such a young person's art form. There's a contemporariness of it, you know, that it's it's youthful and it's present time. Um, and it's evolving all the time, taking very different paths. And so there, there really aren't a lot of artists that have been around for that long. And the ones that, that have been tend to sort of fizzle and fade. I mean, even great artists like Jay-Z and Nas, who have been around for a long time, don't consistently put out good music the way they did 10 and 20 years ago. And so for Black Thought right now as an MC to be, I mean, he's my number one MC on the planet, but he's also in most people's top five. Mm. And for Quest Love to be so important now as a musician, there's just, there really isn't a basis for comparison to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Tim, what other song, what can we play next? Or did we miss all of your thoughts about Pass the Popcorn because you were busy waxing poetic? Do we need to go back and cover some ideas that we missed? I mean, I just, I think Pass the Popcorn is a great starting point for someone who's trying to sort of understand the timeline of the roots because it, 
in that song and in that album, you can feel the jazz influence. You can feel the, it feels like you're listening to a live band hmm. in a way that even my, you know, my favorite hip hop records don't feel like that. They feel produced in ways that I love, but this just felt really different and it sounded really different. Well, that upright bass helps a lot. Like it's hard to get a sample that of an upright that works well. You when you, you can get them and they're passable, but then when you've got a real one, you know it, right? Well, yeah, there's just a level of warmth. Yeah. Yeah. No one else is really replicating That's that what I was going to ask cuz anyone tried to sort of follow in these footsteps in terms of rapping with a live band and touring incessantly and Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is that the the live band thing happened and continues to happen but off like nine times out of ten the band that's playing behind the rapper is the roots okay <laughs> when jay-z's got to perform at you know the emmys or um someone's doing uh, a huge you know they, yeah. they, they go get the roots to do it there's really only one roots the evolution of the roots as musicians and what was influencing them and what they were willing to explore sonically just evolved so much from being sort of heavily jazz-centered to neo-soul-centered to rock-influenced and there just there aren't a lot of groups that have that kind of breadth let's just start with proceed three proceed three yes which album is it it's on uh, Do You Want More? Probably the deluxe version has Proceed 3 on it. And I shall proceed. I'm moving on, baby. I shall proceed to remain on point like an infrared beam. There are five versions of this song. Hmm. And, and I think two of them were on the original album, and then some came out as remixes, and some came out later. But this wasn't sort of a traditional hip hop remix where they just changed up the beat or, you know, added a guest feature. These are like earnest reinterpretations of the music. Proceed 3 for me, which also features Bahamadia, who's another Philly-based um, rapper, was just mind-blowing when I heard it. I mean, you can hear the organs in the back. That's Scott Storch, who was the keyboardist for their first couple of records. And then he ended up leaving the group and working with Dr. Dre and Nas and all kinds of other people as a, as a producer. And then the other thing that was crazy as someone who was DJing at the time was even with the drums being live, how precise they were. You know, when you're DJing, you're matching beats and trying to blend back and forth. And anything that's live yeah. is inherently irregular in a way that's problematic for a DJ. For your ingredients indeed, so to the lead, I shall but Questlove's timing is so good that you could blend this as if it was a program drum, uh, which was pretty pretty cool and, and also, I think, important for how they sort of penetrated the DJ culture as well. Tim, in terms of the sounds that Questlove gets on the drums, is that I, it's interesting because I totally hear the warmth of it being a played instrument, but I also feel like they sound like hip hop drums. And I wonder if there's like some, I mean, he must have done a ton of work to get that sound to sound like that in terms of a played drum set versus a programmed thing. Yeah, no, I honestly, I, I agree. And I, I don't have insight on that. Yeah. Other than he's been 
making hip hop beats for, for quite some 35 <laughs> years, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. And, and I think has, has figured, he, he figured out how to dial in on that. Mm-hmm. So in, and in that same sort of sensibility of like these five versions of um, proceed, the other song I would point to from that first record is silent treatment. There was five incredible remixes of this song, all of them unique, the original is my favorite, but but they're all fantastic. Live drums, Billy. I think so. Yeah. The sound amazing. Yeah, it sounds so good. They were put in like the the jazz hip hop box originally and they, they belong there i mean this is definitely a jazz influenced sound and then over time they sort of you know they branched out and, and had sort of um i think a broader aperture to their musical lens but um i mean this is this is sort of a jazz hip-hop album and what they were willing to play with musically was incredible and they were also good storytellers mm-hmm. um there was wasn't just black thought wasn't the only rapper at the group at this time malik b was in there too and dice raw and uh i just i feel like there's a level of mm-hmm. creativity and musicianship in this album that puts it in my like top 10 of all time list i hear that swung 16th feel in the bass drum groove it's so good the tempo of this of all of these songs on this album the tempo of them and the fact that they're filled with roses and they've got the jazzy extended harmonies in their chord progressions it's all right in line for me maybe not so much for you Billy how are you dealing with the tempo on these guys I know you usually like to have something a little up, more up tempo. I'm liking this a lot. You know, I'm not a one trick pony, Waldron. <laughs> so, sticking with this debut album, if you were going to point to one other song that for me really was like a defining moment for the emergence of the roots uh it would be the song what goes on part seven they featured beatboxing prominently early on in their tenure and this was actually the first song of theirs that i heard and i heard it on a hip-hop mixtape from a dj i knew in philadelphia and i i was literally floored when i heard this for the first time do you want to know There was a moment in hip hop music where jazz rap was like a big thing, right? You had diggable planets, uh, you had guru and jazzmatazz, you had the roots, and so like this jazz hip hop fusion was kind of a sub genre. Um, but nobody did it better than the roots. And they really were the group that laid the foundation for all these other groups to come out and explore jazz in a really overt way. 
Um, so this, their, their whole first album was this, right? It was jazzy and warm. It, I'm sure it wasn't improv, but it, it felt improvised uh, in the way that live music and, and jazz music in particular is. And, and they've always made this kind of music, but then in subsequent albums, they would sort of branch out and and I think they, they grew artistically but this this album for me was like a, a very specific moment in time. So my style's the blender, what is it was? You could get a buzz from it, but it's a too deep and reach a summit of all it plummet beyond real. When you killed if your raps ain't ill. I love the weird harmonies that's happening in this bass. It's setting up a very strange chordal harmony just in the bass. You hear the synth too? There's a lot of great sounds. There's like a trumpet earlier. Alright, well let's move on. Because there's a lot of ground to cover. Let's go. Tim is good about this. Yeah. So <laughs> this album was nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, and then in 1996 they dropped Illadelph Half Life, and I think most people's favorite song um, from that album, for good reason, is called "What They Do." They're sort of moving out of jazz and into neo soul a little bit more here, sort of broadening the musical landscape a bit. incredible uh mtv and bt were all over it it's basically poking fun at rap video cliches is the whole <laughs> idea behind the song and you know in, in the video they're in a mansion and there's girls and there's cars and and it's all uh you know they're they're making a joke out of what mainstream hip-hop has become nice exact replication and false representation you want to be a man that stands your own the guitar is amazing and it's very interestingly tracked is this um captain kirk douglas on guitar do you think it is captain kirk douglas yeah right he did a similar guitar harmony counterpoint thing on the song that I called their very best on the uh, Booker T. Jones album also. I tend to be a guy who I love people's first albums or their second albums and and you know and if you're not someone like Nora Jones who's made a lot of different kind of records as much as you sort of wish they would make a record like the last record because you love the last record most artists aren't capable of evolving and maturing and getting better as they go because they lose some of the urgency they had when they were when they were new you know in this album and really in every album afterwards Black Thought becomes a better and better rapper with every album. So that's, a, that's an interesting take. When you were talking earlier about their longevity, 
There was this other podcast that had asked the question, the age-old question, can anyone produce like a masterpiece after 40? Sure. And some, some of the commentary was about how like, you know, superstars aren't superstars when they start out in their 20s and they're living hard lives and that's good material for art. <laughs> but yeah. then once they become superstars, they sort of aren't real people anymore or not the common man per se, right? And so it can be harder to have a relatable experience that you can mine for your work. Yeah, and, and, and particularly in sort of the hip hop universe, less so now than 20 and 30 years ago, so much of the storytelling was sort of wrapped around the realities of being a black American living in the city. Yeah. And a lot of really important music came out that explored that reality from a bunch of angles. Like it's harder to tell that story 10 and 20 years later when you've made a hundred million dollars and, and right. you're a mainstream and you're on the, you're on a Wheaties box, you know, like that, that narrative starts to fall apart a little bit and the roots were never that. Mm-hmm. They were music junkies that found each other in high school in Philly and would busk on the street with Questlove banging on a five-gallon drum Buckets. and Black Thought rapping. And yeah. they never allowed themselves to be put in that box of, we can only talk about this, or we can only right. rap this way, or we can only make this kind of music. And honestly, Black Thought... It's in my mind is a better rapper now than he was 30 years ago. And he was a really good rapper 30 years ago. Someone Black Thought's age should not be able to rap the way he raps. <laughs> like in 2017 or 2018, he went on Funkmaster Flex's mix show and did a 10 minute freestyle that literally like lit the interwebs on fire. Um, <laughs> and to, to have that kind of dexterity and nimbleness as an MC in your 40s, he may be 50 by now. It's just, it's really, honestly, it's uncanny. Uh, there really is, there is not another rapper of his age who can still bring it like he brings it. Wow. All this um, guitar that I'm hearing in this song is just so George Benson. 70s kind of stuff. I love it. It sounds great. And it's just cleaner than that stuff, too. So flash forward four more years. Sorry. Flash forward three more years. Okay. Uh, Things Fall Apart is the record. Okay. And You Got Me is the song. And You Got Me was like, for as popular as the group was, this song just exploded them. Erica Badu's on it. Uh, Eve who was in Rough Riders, this was her kind of debut. I think she's also um, Philly-based. Scott Storch did the production on this one, too. And this song was just everywhere, uh, and they won a Grammy for it. Are you familiar with uh, an artist uh, named Jill Scott? 
I'm not. I'm sure you've heard some of her work. Super talented writer and singer from Philly. Went on to have a, a, a pretty solid career in sort of the neo-soul universe. She actually co-wrote this. And the first version of this song had her on it. And when they sent it to the label, the label insisted that they put Erica Badu on it because they thought this was going to be a huge song. And Erica Badu was like the queen of neo-soul in the moment. They took Jill Scott out and had uh, Erica Badu do it. Which caused uh, a ton of tension um, between all the artists involved, but sort of hard to hard to debate the choice they made given uh, all the success they had with this record. Actually, I read an interview with Erica Badu, who like when she was approached by MCA to, to lay the vocals for the song. She heard Jill Scott's and was like, why the hell would you want me to redo this? So she, she sang it just like Jill Scott did. Um, there are live versions of the roots playing with Jill Scott, uh, singing the vocals. She went out on tour with them after this song became huge. And, um, and she would come out to perform this song and she kills it. And her debut album was also incredible and she went on to do lots of collaborating with The Roots over, over the years. Strings. A lot of the times when we're talking about the usual rock stuff that we do in the show, you know, what we'll say is uh, people don't listen to the lyrics, the lyrics don't matter, mm-hmm. right? That's a, it's a theme that we've sort of danced around a little bit. And it's just not true, obviously, of hip-hop. I mean, the thing you have to be able to improvise is the lyrics and not, you know, on your instrument or whatever. Right. And that is a really different... It's a different jam. That is a very different and a unique American art form mm-hmm. and unique 100%. to this specific genre. And it's just totally foreign to everything that, that I grew up listening to, right? Yeah, and it's and it's it's awesome, but that does some, you know it does come at the expense of coherent songwriting at times. Uh, sometimes, but apparently uh, well, most not, of the time. Right? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, look at the Beastie Boys. I love the Beastie Boys. Ninety-eight percent of what they were talking about was gibberish. You know, like it, like it it meant nothing other than it was cool to listen to, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. A lot of my favorite rap music is like that. Um, but, you know, the, the Roots were writing songs in a way that other people were not. Yeah, well, looking at the cover of this album, I'm thinking that the Beastie Boys were having a different experience and it, it wasn't maybe as important for them to put together words that were as meaningful. They were having a hell of a good time and goofing on stuff. And for a band like the Roots, there's a lot more at stake, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, they, you know, there was this jazz moment that happened and there, I think you always have and will hear jazz and their music and then they're moving more and more into this soul space and then my next pick um would be the seed 2.0 um which is featuring cody chestnut is that on the same album it is not it's on phrenology from 2002 hmm. 
Those are rock drums. Boom, ka, boom, boom, ka, boom. So do I know this song or do I know the sample of this song? I feel like I know the song. So the seed was originally a Cody Chestnut song from his album, The Headphone Masterpiece. And so the seed 2.0 was like their reinterpretation of that song with Cody Chestnut playing guitars and singing on it. And I don't bitch and whine If I don't get my way I only wanna Fertilize another behind my lover's back I sit and watch it the roots stand where I'm at But I mean, this, this sounds nothing like anything they were making before. Uh, this almost has like a garage rock sort of sensibility to it. But it's up-tempo, it's soulful. I think it's got 100% of rock sensibility. Like, if you didn't know it was The Roots, I mean, right. this, could be a, this could be on the Lenny Kravitz album. 100%. Easily. Yeah, it's a good call, actually. <laughs> the bass sound in this is wild. It's, it's almost like it's being played through a guitar amp or something. Yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> So th this is 2002. If you jump forward another seven years to how I got over, they're playing in this space there too. It's lean, it's kind of sparse and bluesy. Rock undertones probably doesn't say enough. Should we listen to that? Yes, let's. Listen. Hey, who's worrying about you, babe, when you wildin' now, running around in these streets? It's like, it's almost got like a Black Pumas sort of recorded in your basement sort of feel to it. I like this one a lot. This might be my favorite so far. And I just, I love as a rapper that Black Dog was comfortable evolving from, you know, jazz inspired scat style of rapping into more sort of soulful stuff. And he, you know, he, He's not straight up singing, but he is starting to sing in some of these records. And even on some of his uh, solo albums, there are a couple uh, songs in those albums where he's singing the chorus. And I just, I, I really, I love and admire that he's willing to grow so much at a time when most artists are just trying to hold on, you know, <laughs> and, and he's, he's still playing. <laughs> Let me also say this, and Bill, uh, Bill can attest to this. They're ridiculously good live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, you know, we started the show. I was talking about the Grateful Dead and Fish, tongue in cheek, but also when you see them live. That's what I was gonna. That was the question I was gonna ask. When you see them live, like there's a jam band sort of thing that happens with with them as they perform too, where they'll stretch a song out for 15 or 20 minutes. Tim, is there like a, you know, like with the dead and fish, there's a whole, you know, in the rabid fan base, people sharing shows and taping shows. And is that a thing for the roots? Or is there like a community of people who 
are eager to listen and share recorded yeah is that a thing in my experience no, no not in uh-huh. the same way uh-huh. um and and i don't think i don't think of them as a jam band but i but i appreciate the that there's a sensibility there and and you know which is very much stitched into jazz music history too of of interpretation mm-hmm. and and improv improvisation and stuff. improv yeah. But I don't think they have the same sort of, hey, I've been, this is my 750th Roots show, and here's my, you know, here's my carrying case with all my cassettes in it. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't see it in the same way. <laughs> if you look at that uh, the Roots Come Alive album, there is a version of You Got Me where Jill Scott is doing the singing on that record. If you were about where I've been on who I saw what club I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry, you know that you got me, if you were worried about where... So what do you think? Is it decided for the roots? I want to know what you guys think. Come on. Well, I'm decided, but... I don't have to make the proclamations, Tim. You do. I love that last song. I'm ready to make a proclamation, although it's like it was with the Beastie Boys. It's hard when you've got a group that's been around and made so much good music. But if I had to shrink everything down into one song. Oh, yeah. See, that's how we do it when we get funky up in this piece, huh? I would say that Silent Treatment is their opus. For me, when I think about The Roots, I think about that song. Are you willing to make a proclamation about their very best album? Yeah, I mean, I think Do You Want More is their best album. I love jazzy hip-hop, and there's a level of warmth and spontaneity on that record that, for all the incredible music they've made in the 30 years since, I would proclaim that that is still their best album and that Silent Treatment is the best song on it. That is awesome. Thank you. I think we have to take it. Maybe we'll do the um, Who's Listening From Where segment because I had to cut that out of the last one. Oh, I love that segment. It's my favorite segment. Never cut it. I I got a phone call today, Tim, from it's Bill Noto. And I'm like, oh, Bill's calling. What's going on? He's like, listen, we're blowing up in Singapore. <laughs> I'm like, we're huge in Singapore. Sh- huge in Singapore. <laughs> we're huge. No, but I want to give shout outs. We see you in Belleville, Illinois, in Mountain View, California, in Charleston, South Carolina, in Altamont, New York. We, we see you listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening and telling your friends in Raleigh, North Carolina, in Quebec, wow. Portland, Oregon, oh, the other Portland, New York, New York City, Houston, Texas, Philadelphia, Ashburn, Virginia, Vancouver. And here we have the, the folks from Singapore. How about Bilbao in the Basque country in España? Bonjour in Ile-de-France. We see you. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to do more of these, so beware. Watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future. I'm Bill. And I'm Waldron. And Tim, thanks again for being our hip-hop consultant and really opening our eyes and bringing us some cool music that I did not know about. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. My pleasure. See, that's how we do it. We come correct for 94, you know what I'm saying, baby? 
Cause you got the rise down on the side. We got roots up in the house tonight. You know what I'm saying?